You're listening to the 95 Podcast from the team at 95 Network, where we host conversations specifically designed to support leaders in small and mid-sized churches. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the 95 Podcast. This is Dale Sellers, Executive Director at 95 Network. And today we have another incredible guest with us. Uh, recently, uh, we released a, uh, a two-part series on uh, pastors dealing with pornography. And uh, I immediately received a an email from our mutual friend, um, Wendell Morton, who uh, knows our guest and introduced me to our guest that I'll share with you in just a minute. And he just said, hey, you need to meet this guy. He This is his topic he's got, he's got a lot of understanding with. And so uh, I'm going to do a disclaimer at the front of this podcast, like I did with those, that if you have uh, young kids uh, around or in the background or you're riding down the road listening to this podcast, um, they, they may not want to, uh, you may not want them to hear this particular podcast because we may cover some things that would create conversations for you that you probably don't want to answer right now. <laughs> and so uh, you might want to get the little ones off to the side. Uh, today, I have with me Sam Black, and, and Sam has written a book, and he's going to give you the title of that book <laughs> because it's a good one. Uh, and uh, we're just going to dive in today and kind of talk about this subject. Uh, whenever we bring it up, it's one of the most popular podcasts that we have. And I think it's because it just hits a nerve that a lot of leaders are struggling with things that they can't talk about. So, Sam, welcome today. Dale, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I know we're going to have a great conversation. I'm so glad you're here. Um, you know, uh, as I mentioned in, the, in just in the opening there, anytime we discuss this topic, I've written about this topic at 95 Network. It gets a lot of uh, views or, or downloads or, you know, people read it. And so um, that just tells me it's a topic that uh, is 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 a big deal. Uh, a few weeks ago, we or uh, when we record we're recording this we, a few weeks ago, we released a, a two part series about pastors and pornography, uh, and that was uh, very well listened to. Uh, but, but the topic, the way you're going to handle it today, the things that you and I we talked last week discussed really caught me by surprise with your approach, and I cannot wait to unpack all this with our with our listeners. Before we do that, though, kind of give us a little bit of your story. Sam, what's you know who is Sam? Uh, what you know? What do you do today? And how did you get here? Right. Well, again, my name is Sam Black, author of this new, brand new book, come out in May. It's called The Healing Church: What Churches Get Wrong About Pornography and How to Fix It. And uh, the whole purpose behind the book is to equip and train ministry leaders, to give them more insight, a little more depth into how pornography impacts people and why so many people are struggling. And further. We, I've interviewed more than 70 pastors, ministry leaders, uh, Christian counselors, people who had been through the recovery process for pornography. We went to churches. I went to churches that were doing this work well. And what was, what was so different about what they were trying to accomplish? And, uh, and, and how did that impact their congregations? And how can we learn from what they did? Uh, it was amazing to see that these churches were setting disciples on fire for Christ who were then giving back to the church. And every church that I interviewed, every pastor and ministry leader that was doing this work well, told me, Sam, I'm doing less work now, not more. Mm. And so many pastors fear talking about this issue or coming into this issue. Am I, am I really, do I know the topic well enough? Am I... Am I the right person? Do I have time for this? How can I do this? Well, there's so many questions that we address in the book. 
Mm-hmm. We wanted to equip pastors and ministry leaders. Now, I spent 16 years, I have spent the last 16 years with Covenant Eyes and in a number of roles. And currently, I serve as the Director of Recovery Education at Covenant Eyes. And uh, one of the things that helped me equip r- write this book was the time that I not only have spent at Covenant Eyes, but before I joined the Covenant Eyes team, I spent 18 years as a journalist. So mm-hmm. I don't have to have all the answers. I go find people that do have the answers <laughs> and yeah. deliver complex uh, issues in a very easy to understand way. Yeah. Tell me what what, what is Covenant Eyes? Covenant. Oh, well, Covenant Eyes. Uh, provides software and content to help people stop using pornography for good or never start. Now, this is not just a church thing, right? It's just, this is just a, a, is it a ministry or is it a business? Uh, Is it larger than church is what I'm trying to say. We are uh, a company owned by its employees. Okay. And uh, we started in 2000 Mm -hmm. and we, we provide, uh, accountability software. Now you probably are very familiar with filtering. We do that as well. Mm-hmm. But accountability actually says you shouldn't be fighting your when your struggle with pornography alone. You need to have an ally, someone who has your back, someone you trust, someone who knows your uh, focus, your desire to follow Christ. And so do you have an ongoing conversations about what you see and do online? So the whole idea behind Covenant Eyes is wherever I'm on my phones, tablets, computers, Covenant Eyes is actually capturing what appears on the screen, blurs it before it leaves the device, and then sends it to my allies who I give permission to receive my report. Mm. And so they actually receive an ongoing stream through an app called Victory by Covenant Eyes. Mm -hmm. And that's a great tool because that tool is free. Victory by Covenant Eyes is free, and within there is more than 30 courses to help people understand, how did I get here? Why do I seem to stay stuck, and how can I really live in freedom? It also provides lots of resources for parents, uh, spouses, and and um, and parents to help them understand, hey, how can, I, how can I equip my kids as well? So, great tool. It's free. Um, and if you ever decide, hey, I'd like to upgrade and actually be accountable for on my own devices or for my family, you can do that as well. You just continue to use the, the Victory app by Covenant Eyes and then also download the sensor part of the app. And all that feed just keeps coming through the Victory app by Covenant Eyes. You've already created four million questions for me to get done this podcast. <laughs> this is such a Huge topic. And one of the things we talked about when we met last week was I asked you, I said, you know, when someone has been addicted to pornography, um, it's almost like they it's like when, you you know, they say that, you know, if you were an alcoholic, that you're you're always an alcoholic, even if you quit. And that's why they go to like to AA and things like that. You know, and I'm I'm not making a stand one way or the other. But but is it possible for someone who has been, and I'm, when I say addicted to p- pornography, I don't even understand what that really means because I'm, I didn't grow up that way. My, my father didn't have pornography in our home. So, uh, I, I, I was blessed. Unlike a lot of my friends, I didn't get to have easy access to that stuff. And then now, obviously everybody's got easy as, access to it with the, with their phone and stuff. But so to help me understand if, if you ever really were heavily addicted to it, is there truly, uh, is it, are you, can you be free or is there always an awareness that, man, at any moment you can slip and fall back into it? And maybe that's too generic of a question. I'm not sure. 
No, I think that's a very good question. I think that's a question that lots of people uh, are curious about. And I would say, based on my experiences, based on the experience of many men that have walked a, through a safe, in a safe place with a safe process, mm-hmm. have come out on the other side living in real victory from pornography. Okay. Uh, that it doesn't dominate their thoughts. That when they, even if they see pornography, it pops on the up on their screen. They're kind of like, "Hey, I'm, I'm not gonna be go that down that route again." Take I've the bait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Not going back. That is, yeah. I um, having struggled deeply with pornography, what might be called compulsive behavior clinically or from a spiritual sense, a stronghold in my own life, mm-hmm. because I. I mimicked a lot of what you were saying of, about that early exposure, et cetera. Yes. I'll come back mm-hmm. to that. But yes, now some men will describe and men and women will describe that, you know, I maintain my uh, sobriety, my, my freedom from pornography mm-hmm. with deep care because I feel that I, I could slip. And it's, others it's so saying, easy. I'm saying there are others are saying, I feel really rock solid Mm-hmm. my victory over pornography okay. so and that you know we're as as human beings as followers we, there might be times that you feel of course you feel stronger at some times than you do others yeah you put measures in place mm-hmm. not only physical barriers like accountability software and filtering on your devices mm-hmm. but relationships relationships are so key to this so every thursday night i'm still meeting with uh men uh when we're constant readers so yes we can have real and lasting freedom from pornography let's do this so so just to give some authenticity even or greater authenticity to our conversation tell us your tell us your story you mentioned that you'd struggle with it how did that happen and and then you know kind of walk us through how you got to where you are today well i think my story is so common that in fact, I, I host a newcomer meeting with an organization called Samson Society, SamsonSociety.com. It's a community of Christian men who support one another in their something in their life that is bigger than they are. Mm-hmm. And often that is pornography and unwanted sexual behaviors, but it could be other things as well. My story is so and in, in in that meeting, in a newcomer meeting that I host on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. I have guys tell their story and likely it's for the first time. I tell my story first, right? And what I find is my story is repeated over and over again because of my story is like their story, right? Three common components to people who, men and women who struggle as adults with pornography. They've often been exposed at an early age. And we say, well, how early? Well, in the past, it 12, 13 would have seemed about right. But in 2007, we came out with the iPhone. And before that, we had an iPod. And those devices have been exposing children to younger and younger ages because we've given them as babysitters or they felt, hey, all the other kids have one. We're going to give down one to our kids too. So early exposure. The ongoing repetition and use, especially in adolescence, and some drama or trauma that happened early in life, typically. Now, it doesn't always have to happen early in life, but often that's the case. So I was 10 years old when I was first exposed to pornography. I remember walking out of my 
home in Florida and my brother and his best friend were leaning up against their car. They're 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're looking at a magazine sideways. I've dated myself a little bit there. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I said, um, hey, what are you guys looking at? Because that didn't make any sense. How can you read sideways? Mm-hmm. And he turned it around. And uh, even though I was growing up in a Christian home, um, I stepped forward. I didn't turn away. Because at, every child is naturally curious about what the opposite sex looks like without clothes. It's just, mm-hmm. there's natural curiosity there. Um, also, dopamine kicks off. And dopamine loves things that are new. Things mm-hmm. might be exciting. When sexual cues are picked up, even at a young age, it begins focusing attention. Dopamine does a great job of focusing your attention to the point of tunnel vision. In God's design, that is beautiful. Because in marriage, the the rest of the world disappears and you're focused on your spouse. Mm -hmm. Pornography is not sex. It's a hijacking of what God created. So that focusing of attention is with dopamine also helps burn those neural pathways in the brain along with norepinephrine that kicks off, which is also associated with fight or flight. Think something that's shocking, something that's new. And especially today when kids are seeing violent, debasing, um, ugly pornography today, that's often they go from, I don't know anything about sex like I did. I didn't even have the basic understanding of sex Mm -hmm. to the worst of the worst. Now, what I saw was nudity. And that was enough for me to remember that whole episode mm-hmm. because of dopamine and norepinephrine helping burn that memory into my brain. Now, you ask almost any adult about the first time that they were exposed to pornography, and they can typically tell you a whole story. That's oh, how wow. powerful that the early exposure can be. I remember Dr. Dobson said, you know, years ago, and we, he talked about this topic on Focus on the Family, that it's like, uh, you, especially for men, I don't know if it's true as much for women, but for men, it's like they take p- digital pictures in a sense, mm-hmm. and, and, and they lock them away in their mind. And so that's kind of kind of goes with what you're saying there. As we, uh, as I was doing the study for the book and he- also helping pastors understand how women get stuck, women are actually better at storing imagery and voices wow. and all that more so than men. Wow. Yeah, even Um, the second part of that, again, is a repetition. So I had a friend and his dad had pornography that was falling out of his closet. I could take anything I wanted. And I did. It looked a little like a waterfall. If you can picture a shelf up top in this uh, closet that was stacks of pornography and it was leaning over like a waterfall and there was a pile of it on the floor and I could take anything I wanted. And again, again, I did. So that pornography use became repetitive. And then uh, the other part of that, the third component is some trauma or drama that's really happening in life. Maybe that's divorce. Maybe that's feeling like maybe I don't belong. Or in my case, it was violence. Uh, Even though I grew up in a Christian home, it was overtly strict in many ways and that's surprising enough is that very stringent strict homes are also a common theme among that drama or trauma that's impacting men and women who later are struggling with sexual behaviors or we're seeing this more and more that's very interesting you wrote that up yeah and so um 
I didn't pornography then switches from just being curiosity to escapism. How mm-hmm. do I do my emotions? How do I anesthetize my feelings? So if I felt fear or anger or frustration, I could run to pornography. So the, again, that three components are the exposure, the ongoing repetition use, some trauma that's happening early. And so pornography would follow me from middle school to high school, into college, into my marriage. It was won by the grace of God. But I feel like the one of the most fortunate men that my wife has been attending a small church in our community. And she's taking the, the our, our babies with her. And I am at this time pretty agnostic. Yep. And it's I, I don't I don't have any issue with her going to church. I just don't know if God listens to me. <laughs> right. And so she asked me if I'll go to a marriage class with her there. And the the facilitators of this class, and when I agreed to go, would close the door and they'd turn around and they'd look at the class and they said, This is a safe place. And what is said here stays here. And in that environment, People were honest about the horrible things that they were saying in in their marriages and the things they were doing. And, and, you know, Christians talk like this. These these folks were like laying it out. They were practicing James 5.16 in that classroom and trying to learn from one another and grow. Mm. And that is where I also learned that pornography could be compulsive and addictive. And that was a great relief. That meant evolution didn't make me this way. That God didn't make me this way. And I didn't have to stay this way. Did you you not know that you had a problem? when you was it just because it had been so much part of you was it affecting your marriage I know it was affecting marriage but do you know it was affecting your marriage yeah okay so I just wanted you were so deep into it awareness of it it was um, during my first year of marriage my wife had came down to my workshop in the basement and you know pornography was was just there was laying on the counter, wasn't hidden. And she had looked at it and said, you know, I, I don't think this would be good for our marriage. Now at this point, she's not even Christian, right? She hasn't even, she's maybe attended some vacation Bible school as a, as a child. And then that's it. Right. Mm -hmm. And she says, you know, I just don't think that this is going to be good for our marriage. And I said, honey, I love you. I don't love this. I'll just throw it away. And I did. And like so many other men uh, and women who struggle intently, what happened is my brain went on fire. Mm. It, made me, it made me a little angry. Why aren't I in control of me? Why does this keep calling me out? Were you mad at her or mad at you? I was mad at me. Okay, right. I, want, I, want, I want to clarify that. Yeah, thank you yeah. for that clarification because yeah. I was so disappointed with myself. Okay. Why am I not controlling me? Why is why do I have these obsessive thoughts for it? And and I could hold on, I could grip, I could try harder. Then I'd fall, and I would get back up. And that's the that's the cycle of addiction: is you try yes. harder. If it only goes for so long, the right trigger comes along and hits you, what I call social or emotional or environmental triggers, Mm -hmm. triggers. And when those right trigger hits, then I'm right back to running after pornography. And I need what I didn't know what I needed was I needed others because the opposite of addiction is community. Yeah. So when you 
told her you threw it away. You don't, you don't. So from that point on, if you viewed it or whatever, were you sneaking around and doing it? Yes. Did, did she think at that point you were done? Um, it, it was a topic that really didn't come back okay. anymore. Mm-hmm. And then as we, uh, came to, came to Christ, began talking to her about it. And that is where, uh, I began receiving some support and help from other men. So you're um, still kind of all, all by yourself. Yeah. Okay. So you're in the Sunday school class. I just want to make sure I get that backdrop right. So you're in the Sunday school class, uh, which is odd that you are whatever class it was, not Sunday school, but you there yeah. and you continue to stay there. How long did it take before you started opening up? Oh man. You know, it wasn't overnight and yeah. that's been, that's been somewhere in the neighborhood of, 20 something years ago. So I don't exactly how long it took me to open up. Um, I had the two uh, instructors had been through it where I'd been recovering from alcohol. I'm sorry, from uh, prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. And the other was on her own journey with as her, as her, uh, as her husband, his wife. And so they, that couple taught it together. And they would often invite people over to their home and their community. And their, and so there's a whole sphere of people who are really leaning on each other. It took time. It took yeah. time. But they won your trust is, what, is, is the reason you opened up. Yeah. Trust and created safety. Yes. Yeah. Were you were you guilty? Was this thing like, did you get to a point even before before all this happens where you're like, I shouldn't be, even though you said, you know, you weren't necessarily a believer at the moment, this, this, I shouldn't be doing this. How, how did you, how did you, um, wh- wh- where did you put it in your heart at that time? Well, admittedly, I grew up in a Christian home, so there was always a, a bad Christian home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> abusive my, Christian, my however mom, you want to word it. <laughs> my mom was an amazing Christian. Patient, kind. She exercised the fruits of the spirit. I mean, it was evident in every part of her life. Uh Um, So there was a sense of me that this is sin. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. I certainly understood that. But um, uh, when I came back to the church as I'm joining her going to the Sunday marriage class. I mm-hmm. also start sending Sunday morning service and our pre- pastor <laughs> had a habit of just ignoring everybody in the church and just, just preaching to me. Isn't that funny how they do that? <laughs> no, right. <laughs> and I remember um, standing in our, our bedroom and praying to God, God, please take this away from me. I hate this about myself. I want to please you. It yeah. grieves my heart of yeah. my sin. And so the resolution was there. The desire was there. And I think that's so imperative because if the desire to quit pornography is not there for the individual, they're not going to step away from it. Yeah. Um, that's how addiction works. They have to have, there also has to be a, a personal desire to want to stop and then a willingness to lean on others to take a journey. Uh, we created within the, the Victory app by Covenant Eyes um, more than 30 courses that really helps and help people understand how did I get here? Yeah. 
why again? Why, why do I seem to stay stuck? I promised myself. I promised God. I promised others. I'll never go back. Mm-hmm. And I seem to be fighting this overwhelming battle. Why is that? And how can I really take meaningful steps toward freedom? And uh, by the way, uh, we didn't say earlier, but you can find, you can download the introduction and the first chapter of The Healing Church at thehealingchurch.com. Yeah, I'll put all that in the show notes. Here's what we're going to do. I want to take a short break. and we come back, I want to dive into the book. And, and I'm going to start it off by uh, just referring to something we talked about when we met last week. So take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. My name is Travis, and I want to take just a moment to tell you about another resource that the 95 Network offers, and that's our membership community. When you become a member of the 95 Network, you get access to several free resources as well as discounts on many others. You also get free entrance into any one of our one-day events held throughout the year. And my favorite part is that you get to become a part of our private Facebook community filled with pastors who are working together to create healthier churches. All you have to do for more information or to get signed up is click on the link in the show notes today, or you can visit 95network.org and click on the Become a Member tab. Thanks so much for listening today and enjoy the rest of your show. Back here with Sam Black talking about just the powerful effects of pornography. And I want to spend most of the rest of the podcast discussing your book and things in your book. But to set that up, when we talked before, yeah, you uh, let me know that there are churches that actually do a great job of, of dealing with this topic, approaching this topic. They have discipleship courses and, 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 and uh, accountability and all this stuff. I wasn't even aware that this was something churches were taking on because it's so it's so prevalent and it's such a big deal. And so as we move into this part of the podcast, uh, I want us to be able to offer a hope to, you know, and I say this a lot. The small church pastor has so much on their plate already. Right. So so coming to say, oh, having a podcast going, oh, and by the way, you can create this ministry just an, is another layer. So I don't want this to be a layer, but I do want them to know if they if they are struggling or they have people in their churches that are struggling, that there are some churches that are that are doing a great job at dealing with this. And mm-hmm. we do also have a resource in your book. And so kind of kind of let me know just about some of those churches or, or uh, how, how they approach this. Well, one of the central factors of the churches that are doing this work well is they were creating a safe environment where it's okay to come as you are and be open and honest with within a safe place within the church. Right? What does that mean as far as I, I, I know what it means? But just to, when you say a safe place, is, is it because a lot of churches don't have safe places? Yeah. So let's let's um, let's unpack just a few basic yeah. principles, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. One, a foundational principle of the faith is James 5.16, to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. Yeah. And there's a formula there, right? There, There is my confession and my desire for repentance and re- repentance in itself. But it's also that, Dale, I can come to you and talk to you about where I'm struggling. And you're going to listen to my story. You're going to listen to how I'm struggling. You're going to ask some questions about what, what was going on before you had that slip or fall. What was what was in what were you thinking? What were you doing? What were you thinking of doing? How were you feeling? Right. And um, as we unpack that, you can then pray for me as well. And of course, God knows all of this, and He is 
uh, he does the forgiving part. He does the restoration work in our hearts. But there, we have often been very silent within the church about how we struggle. Mm-hmm. And that's just not, that's not just, adhere, that's simply not adhering to James 5.16. We need I to, think that's the norm. Isn't that the norm? I and mean, when you talk about having a place of trust, a place where honesty happens, a place where what you really describe as true discipleship, real discipleship is relational, but that's not been the model. And if we're honest, it's not been the model. And so it's so exciting to me to know that there are churches that are actually creating uh, this type of literal discipleship based on the fact that we can be honest. And see, I, I told you this, I think I mentioned this when we talked before, but you know, when Promise Keepers came along, it talked about how uh, one of the things that really challenged guys to do it, and, and, and guys specifically, men specifically, all across the country, we're getting in these small groups every week and they're sitting around and over breakfast and coffee and, and they're sharing their stuff with each other. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And the reason I'm not doing that is I'm not going to tell Sam mm-hmm. my deep, dark secrets or what I'm struggling with if I don't think Sam loves me. If you, if I don't know you love me, I'm not going to be vulnerable with you. And so it seems like because of we still live in the residue of the seeker and the attractional movements, there's not room and there's not been space in churches for mm-hmm. us to have this kind of r- relational type stuff. So I'm really excited to know that you're aware of churches that are actually doing this. It's encouraging. Well, you hit some, uh, something very important there. Because the fear behind it is if you really knew me, Dale. You wouldn't love me. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the biggest fear that most men and women who struggle with pornography say, I want to follow Christ. I really, I want to, I want to surrender my whole heart to him. That there's, there's a stronghold in my life that if you knew about it, you wouldn't show me grace. You wouldn't show me love. Especially might- if I'm a pastor. You might not. Oh my goodness! Yeah. You know that we, we the bar we place on ourselves is so much higher. You know, I don't say Jesus does, but we do. And I talk to uh, many men and pastors, men and women and pastors in small churches, and they say, you know, Sam, in our small church, uh, there is we know each other. Mm-hmm. We say we know each other, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we know each other, and it's just really hard to be open and honest in that way. I go to a large church, there's five, 10, doesn't matter how many thousands of people are there. And they say, Sam, I, we can't be honest with someone else because I don't really know someone uh, who I can really be open and honest with. You know, that's. I, you I'm nailed not, it, buddy. <laughs> right. So it's it's not the size of the church. It's the problem. It's we need to ask ourselves, what part of James 5.16 do we not believe? What I found was, uh, and I had a, a pastor uh, at Watermark in, in Dallas, talked to me about this. He said, Sam, on one side, it's a spectrum, uh, or there's a spectrum of authenticity and openness and grace within the church. And on one side of the spectrum is it is okay to come as you are. You can bring all your struggles and pain, but you're never really called to any change. It's mm-hmm. just, hey, we all struggle. We've all got sin in our lives. You never really deal with it. Dude, you're nailing it. On the other side of the spectrum is Christians don't have problems. And if you have a stronghold or other problems in your life, you're probably not among the faithful. You yep, probably, you're not saved. I remember yep. uh, I was, as I was writing the book, a, a deacon at a, at a church in Texas uh, said um, that 
he'd gone to his church board, his fellow elders, and said, listen, this is where I'm struggling. I want your help and I want your support. And I'm being open and honest. I'm practicing James 5.16. And they said, not only did they remove him from the board, they told him not to come back to the church. Yes, that's that's more normal than not. What we need is a place where it is safe to come as you are, but we don't want to leave you as you are. We love you too much to leave you stuck there. Mm -hmm. And because you're wanting to be open, you're wanting to be honest, you're wanting to just press into the stronghold in your life. We are 100% behind you and support you. And we're not just going to pray for you. We're going to walk with you over time. Listen, God can do anything. He restores people from uh, the addictions of mm -hmm. cigarettes and uh, alcohol and pornography and drugs and you name it. But often he calls us to walk on a journey with childlike helplessness and faith on a journey there where we get to not only deal with that one issue that is so concerning, but we can begin lighting up the, the corner, the dark corners, opening up the closets and deal with the, the all the issues in our life. So we live in more holiness of Christ. Freedom. He, 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 he talked about freedom, man. He talked about being whole. That was why he came. And That's I don't right. say that we do that very often. <laughs> so, again, that safe place, a safe environment says it's okay to come as you are. Yeah. But it's okay to stay where you are. That Good. authenticity builds an intimate connection that is contagious. And within a safe place, uh, people hear, uh, you're a person, not a problem. Your identity is found in Christ and not in your sin. I tell my wife, you know, I grew up in a church. And we'd sing just as I am as, as an altar call song often. But now as I look back, I'm going, but they really didn't want you to come that way. <laughs> they want you to get your stuff cleaned up and then come just as you are. So you would cause problems. And and so I'm I'm glad we're dealing going in the weeds of this. It's not an easy issue. It and 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 right now, I would say as, as far as the church approaching as a whole, uh, we still have a long ways to go. So so uh, a, a pastor reaches out to me and he says, Man, can you give me a resource? And I say, Yes, you need to use this. This book by Sam. Sam, what you know? Give us a quick overview. Or I shouldn't say quick, but just give us an overview of of the impactful uh, nature of your book. Well, it is first a primer to help uh, pastors and ministry leaders understand why people get stuck, why they often stay stuck, and how to begin helping people follow a journey toward freedom. How to, but also it it deals with a lot. There's a a full spectrum of issues we we cover. Yes. Mm -hmm. We spend two. Uh, how do we create restoration among ministry leaders who are struggling? Um, how do we create a culture where we can begin flipping where all the pushback that a pastor might receive? Let's face it. Pastors face a lot of pushback on talking about any number of issues. We <laughs> and This is a big struggle for pastors, right? Because yes. I had another pastor tell me, he said, Sam, the modern church today has become an institution of respectability rather than a hospital where the oh, great physician can do absolutely, his work. Absolutely. I always said when I, I pastored a small church for 12 years, and I'm like, who do we talk to? 
Who can a pastor reach out to? You know, mm-hmm. if you if you tell your board, they fire you. If you tell someone in your church, you know, they turn on you. If you if you talk to another pastor, they leak it out. And, and so I remember, and I, t- I think I told you this story, but I I, I was so discouraged at one point. Uh, I wasn't dealing with any kind of habitual sin at this moment, but the stress of a failing ministry was overwhelming me. So I reached out to one of our board members when I was pastoring. We go to lunch. We're sitting at lunch, and I and I said, "Listen, I need to talk to you today about some things I'm working through." Uh, I'm not talking about big sin, nothing like that, but I'm just struggling with some things and and, and the pressures uh, and some stresses. And he literally put his hand up across the table in front of my face and said, stop, pastor. I don't want to hear this. Yeah. My life is a disaster and I need your life to be perfect. So I don't want to hear. And I walked away from that going, wow, I guess. I'm just supposed to do this alone. Now, the good news about this time, you know, 2023, pastors are reaching out. You know, they are beginning to go, hey, I'm, I'm and, you know, and that's the result. A lot of it had to do with the pandemic. But it's like, I can't take this anymore. So that's positive. What I'm concerned about is that many of them, though, who were already struggling with issues have, you know, gone deeper into those things and just feel so guilty and ashamed and don't know where to turn. So that's why I wanted to know about your book. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. And certainly pastors and ministry leaders have a target on their back, mm-hmm. not only for from the criticisms, et cetera, but also Satan wants to take them out. Absolutely. And if we keep dismissing pastors and ministry leaders, we're already facing a shortage of pastors and ministry leaders in the church. You're dead on with that. Here's the cool thing that every church that I talked to who were not only restoring disciples in, in the church, the congregants, Mm -hmm. but they were also restoring people in ministry. They were, they, they knew Christ's grace was sufficient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what happens is when ministry leaders go through that process and are, have that deep discipleship that not just, spiritual discipleship, but mind, body, and spirit. How they learn to deal with the stress and emotions and all those other things are vitally important. Uh, uncovering all the roots and the pain that is that has caused some issues with pornography or other behaviors that they don't want, be it food or etc. Mm-hmm. When we begin to really help with res- a restoration process, then they go on fire for God, even all the more. And they are now and more empathetic. They yeah. give more. They're, they are, can be greater givers because having had a, a deeper spiritual awakening, even a greater, deeper spiritual awakening, they want to give back. And by the way, the processes that are all the ones that are outlined in the book, and we give pastors a lot of resources within the book as well, is to that they can that uh, all those processes show that at the end, you always have to give back. You don't get to keep the freedom and spiritual awakening that you've had. <laughs> you you actually keep your freedom by giving it away. Uh, one of the things I think is scary for pastors, because I, I've, I've, I've had, we all have friends in ministry uh, uh, that have fallen or whatever. And so many of them just refuse to go through any kind of restoration process because I think they think it's of the timing or how long it takes. Uh, and again, every case that, you, that out there is, is, is individual. But is there a, like, is there a, 
a two-year process, a three-year process? Is there anything like that you could just speak to uh, as far as like if someone's just, and I know that's all qualified how deeply they're involved, but give some, so there's a, here's my point. There's a pastor listening right now and they are deep in this Mm -hmm. and they know they need to come clean to save their marriage, to save their life. And maybe, you know, don't want the ministry. What would a restoration process be like for someone like that? That's a good question. And right, there's not a one size fits all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Many Christian counselors will say to really live in true and ongoing freedom, you've had to maintain sobriety or been in recovery for at least three years. That's, that's That sounds really scary. Um, but what uh, is often missing from people's restoration process is they fumble around on the, for them by themselves. They, mm-hmm. I'm going to try yes. I'm going to do the same thing I've been doing over and over again and see if I get a different result, which is mm-hmm. a little messy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so there are some amazing intensives where pastors can go to or uh, people in your congregation can go to and you receive within a week or two week or even a 30 day somewhere longer process it's like receiving one to two years of counseling. It is very intensive. It gets get to the heart of the matter. Everything gets washed out. You have a safe disclosure process with your spouse so it's not causing more damage. Um, and so uh, an intensive is a great place to start. Uh, Quest is an organization you might think of. BoulderRecovery.com is another place you can think of. And there's there's many more. Mm-hmm. Bethesda Ministries in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. These organizations provide deep intensives to help walk people through uh, a lot in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And it gives them some real tools to begin living that out. So there, there's a lot that I outline in the book that provides many of those answers that I encourage pastors. Again, you can download the first chapter and the introduction at thehealingchurch.com. You can buy the book wherever you normally buy books online. Yeah, and we'll, like I said, we'll put a link to the book on there. Uh, so the, the point of today, this is not just for pastors. This is also for pastors who may not have struggled with this, but you want to create a ministry within your own congregation. And I want to make sure there's clarity for that today, that because, so, you know, sometimes you listen to podcasts like this, you go, well, thank God I didn't struggle with that. Uh, but 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 you have I can guarantee you if you're pastoring anywhere in America, you have people who are um, one of the things that I thought about this too. There's no uh-huh. demographic for this. We need to understand yeah. that pornography yes. undermining every ministry in the local church, from children's ministries to teen ministries to adult and marriage ministries. We just talked about the average age for first exposure, somewhere between the ages of 8 and 12, depending on which study you're looking at. So well, that's impacting your children's ministry. Uh, teens are among the most prolific users of pornography. So if you have teens in your church, you need to recognize that it's very common for them to struggle. And not just boys, but girls, too. We... Uh, in if 63% of men and a third of women in the church, they have an ongoing struggle with pornography. You need to understand that many men and women are struggling in your congregation in 56% of divorce cases today, a major contributing factor to the split is one spouse's compulsive use of pornography. So we need to understand that it is every ministry you have in your church. It's being undermined in some way by pornography. And there, many of our small churches have older 
audiences. Yes, yes. I cannot tell you the number of times I've spoken with men in their 70s and 80s who say, I've been fighting this my whole life and I've never found freedom. I've never been able to talk to someone else about it. Well, uh, so it is, we need to understand that just because someone's a little older doesn't mean they're still struggling. It's true. No. Uh, I wanted to ask you this too before we run out of time. In most cases, is pornography a symptom of a deeper problem? Always. It always is. Okay. That's what I, th I thought, but I wasn't sure. Well, a trauma or something. Often. Well, I say always. I shouldn't say that. Always is a, a universal, right? Yeah. Most, it is the one of the most common issues is you've learned to use pornography, not just because of lust, but because yeah. you're not coping with your emotions. Yeah. It's to deal I, with pain. I've not had, I had a bad day at work. Someone yelled at me. I had an argument with my wife. Um, if when she says no to sex, maybe that is your cue because, well, is that, is that pride? Is that selfishness? Is it, it's, there's a whole bunch of behind that. Um, mm -hmm. but we've, we've learned to use pornography over time. The brain has become associated. Hey, if I am struggling in any way, I begin to run toward pornography. That is my, my outlet. Yeah. My. It's my drug of choice. Yeah. Well, in churches, especially pastors, you know, we're not supposed to drink and we're not supposed to smoke and chew and run with girls that do and all that stuff. So so it's been, you know, for years, it was always like we, we overeat and nobody talks about it. So, mm -hmm. you, you know, so you can preach on these issues that I just said, but yet, you know, you're severely overweight yeah. because that you're still trying to medicate a pain. Right. Uh, and so that's that's kind of that's what I, I thought you might say about how we get here. I mean, there's again, we don't have near enough time to even dive into this, but I do want to wrap up the podcast by asking you this question. So today there's someone uh, listening and 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 they're struggling either either they know that people in our church are struggling with it and they want to deal with it or they're dealing with it themselves. And you're sitting down with them, you know, you're having coffee and they say, hey, Sam, listen, I heard you on the podcast. Uh, I need help. What would you tell them today would be the first step? I think the first step is to begin to have understanding because uh, knowledge precedes understanding and understanding precedes change. So we need to know why the struggle is so intense for us anyway. So um, download the Victory app by Covenant Eyes. Begin going through those courses. We're unapologetically Christian. We're using scripture mm -hmm. uh, and all of our courses have been reviewed by Christian counselors. Um, so getting a baseline of knowledge. Second, you need community. And for uh, for men who are listening, uh, samsonsociety.com is a great place to that is safe. Doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a ministry leader or not. This is a safe place for you. Yeah. And second for women is SheRecovery.com, SheRecovery.com. These provide community where you can begin opening up to others in a Christian environment where you can really be honest, come as you are and be loved as you are, be fully known and fully loved. And basically what you've said all day is simply this, you can't do it by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. You're not going to get free on your own. You know, we think that because we've had periods of victory, mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe that lasted three days or a week or four weeks or whatever, or a month or whatever it is, mm -hmm. 
but we keep coming back. So why is that? How can we stop coming back to pornography? We want to live in full wholeness, full restoration from these from these desires and, and learn to live. And I keep coming back to wholeness, but that is really the Christian faith, right? We live mm-hmm. to live in wholeness in Christ. The word says it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Do not be entangled again in a, in a yoke of slavery or yoke of bondage. Uh, and we just, that's why we do this podcast. We just don't want to see people living bound. You know, I say oftentimes that a lot of people live in a jail cell with the door open and they won't walk out of it because it's what they've known. So, uh, Sam, thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for writing the book. Uh, I'm so glad Wendell connected us and I'll have your email in the show notes as well. And then uh, once we complete today, if you'll just email me any links that you think are pots that are necessary, I don't care how many there are, I will add those to the show notes because at the end of the day, folks, we just want to help you. We want to see you live in freedom. We want to see live in wholeness. We want to see you live the life that Jesus died that you could live. Uh, so Sam, thanks again for being here. Thank you so much, Dale. Thanks for listening to The 95 Podcast. We look forward to sharing another episode with you next week. In the meantime, visit our website at 95network.org. The website is loaded with great resources created for small and mid-sized church leaders. Until next time, have a great week.